You're listening to Matt Walsh on demand. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. She started getting questions about the server, which she turned over because she knew there was going to be a court order demanding it be handed over. And it looks a lot better if you say, well, here it is. And then we find out it was in the bathroom of a tech company in Colorado. In the bathroom? The secret server was in the bathroom? Pure Opelka. Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome, welcome to the Matt Walsh Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, uh, uh, well, listening. Now, I don't usually discuss politics on this podcast or, or in general, really. And it's, it's not that politics aren't important. It's just that they are uh, symptomatic. So I'd rather talk about the causes than the symptoms. You know, what I mean is the culture drives politics, not the other way around. The culture is the issue, the problem, potentially the solution. So a lot of people, a lot of conservatives, uh, conservative talk hosts, pundits, so on, they spend almost all of their time on politics. They spent, you know, what, seven years now almost exclusively talking about Obama. And before that, years, uh, eight years almost exclusively defending George Bush. I mean, and, and where has it gotten us? What, what has it achieved, all of this intense focus only on politics? See, liberals, they get it. Liberals get it. I'll give them that. They get it. They understand the culture. They know that, that that's where the battles are fought. That's where the battles are won. They, they understand this. They concentrate intently on it. A great example of this dynamic, just, just one example. There are millions of examples, but this is just one. So back a couple of weeks ago uh, with the Target thing. Target, the store Target, uh, they were going gender neutral, saying they want to be more progressive about gender and so on. Well, I wrote something about it, uh, more about gender neutrality than about, than about Target, just, I just wrote about the concept of gender, you know, um, defending the fact that men and women are different and defending gender roles, so-called. But a lot of conservatives, uh, some of my readers, they said, well, what does it matter? Why, why are you talking about this? It's not important. Talk about the presidential race or whatever. That, that, that's what's important. Meanwhile, liberals churned out volumes of think pieces explaining why targets Gender-neutral aisles are a victory. They celebrated it. Uh, they used the opportunity to spread their message about gender fluidity. They used the opportunity to explain that gender is a social construct, yada, yada, yada. And you didn't, you didn't, if you read the comments under some of these, uh, you know, these reams of, of articles that were written about gender, uh, I didn't really see any liberals saying, well, why are you talking about this? It's not important. Let's talk about something else. Because they're, they're smart, you know, not about the issue itself. I, I don't think they're smart about the issues. But they're smart, they're insightful to see the importance of the issues. They know that. They know that presidents are just people. Politicians are just people. They come and they go. Uh, get a Democrat elected, that's good for them, that's good. But, but what's better, change the way people think. Change their value system. Redefine concepts, redefine gender, redefine life, redefine marriage, sex, etc. If you do that, then you own the culture. So if you can, so if the, if the trade-off is, uh, uh, you know, if, 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 if you can get conservatives to say, 
Um, okay, fine. Yeah, we can redefine uh, gender and marriage and all that. It doesn't matter uh, as long as you let us get a, a Republican elected. Okay, they would easily make that trade-off because then can, the Republican can't do anything. It doesn't matter because either then you've elected a Republican who's a product of the culture, who's essentially he's a liberal, so there's no, so it's just all he has is the R next to his name. It means nothing. Or if he's not a product of the culture, the culture is this defense mechanism. He can't do anything. There's, there's nothing he can't accomplish anything. There's nothing that can be done because liberals own the culture. And if you own the culture, I mean, you can certainly get your candidates elected usually, uh, but but you can do you can do you know that's just a minimum level thing. But but that's child's play compared to reshaping human civilization itself, which is what liberals are trying to do. And it's a smart it's it's smart to concentrate on that while the rest of us are like let's talk about Obama. So that's why I don't spend a ton of time on politics, but today I will because I'm not saying it's a realm that should be entirely ignored. And uh, there there are some there are some uh, things going on in politics that I think uh, tell you some things about about the culture, which is which is the important battle. So all right, uh, new poll out, Biden who hasn't even announced that he's going to run, uh, he leads the field in a hypothetical general election. According to this poll, if, if it were Biden versus any Republican, he would win. Handily in most cases. And this is scary for a number of reasons, not the least of which being the sheer, uh, well, stupidity, ignorance of the American voter. I mean, what sort of person would want a third term of this? Biden? Really? Not only that, but Biden has the lowest negatives, they tell us. Out of all of the Republicans and Democrats, he's, he is he is viewed the most positively out of everybody. Joe Biden. Uh, but then again, you know the next favorite to win the general election is still Hillary, Hillary Clinton. So what does that tell you? I mean, think about it. According to the polls, this is what Americans want: either a third term of Obama or Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, for God's sake. And it's like, we all know she's a liar. We all know she's a crook. Even Democrats, I think, know it. They're not going to take time to even deny it anymore, for the most part. Yeah, she's a liar. She's a crook. She's a criminal. You can't trust anything she says. She's a total fraud. She's totally corrupt. I think there are a few people that would even bother denying it. It it almost seems like she doesn't bother denying it anymore. You know, with her famous, did you wipe the servers clean, what, with a cloth? You know, it's like, she's not even trying to... She's basically saying, yeah, look, I'm a total scumbag, but uh, elect me anyway. And a lot of Americans are saying, okay, okay, that sounds good. She could easily be going to prison. She won't, but other, others have gone to prison for her crimes. And I'm not just talking about the emails. Uh, but, but still, she's relatively popular. It's beyond comprehension, isn't it? Now, on the Republican side, Donald Trump, I mean, this is just such a... Uh, this is such a depressing election season so far. It's so depressing. I, I don't think I've ever been more down on the American voter than I am. And that's saying something. Because I've never had a lot of faith. You know, I've, I was born in 1986. So you, you think of all the presidential elections that I've, been, that I've consciously you know, been, been aware of. Uh, I, I have no re- People in my generation, we have no reason to have any faith in the American voter. Of course, many of us are you know, part of the problem. But... So on the Republican side, Donald Trump, he leads in the, in the polls. Donald Trump has about 28%. The next highest is Carson with 12. Ted Cruz has seven, only seven points. 
compared to 28. And Republican voters have been clamoring for ages for a true conservative, a smart, unafraid, principled, constitutional conservative. And finally we get him in Ted Cruz. And what happens? He gets 7% in the polls. 7%! What is the matter with you freaking Republicans? Now, I'm not a fan, okay? I, I don't become a fan of a politician. I'm not a fan of a politician. But I am a Ted Cruz supporter. I support him rationally because, like I said, he, he is finally the answer to what we've been desperately requesting for, for, for so long. You know, intelligent, principled, great at articulating, communicating, anti-establishment. I mean, you want someone who's anti-establishment. It doesn't take anything for Donald Trump. I got news for you. It doesn't take anything for Donald Trump to get up there and insult the Republican establishment. Everyone does it, and he's got no skin in the game anyway. So it, 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 it doesn't hurt him. So great, he, he insults the Republican establishment. Great, I do it, we all do it, everyone insults. It's fi- fine. That's not impressive. That's not like, oh, he tells it like it is. He, he, he's attacking Mitch McConnell. That, this guy's got guts. Who doesn't attack Mitch McConnell? Great. But the thing is, see, Ted Cruz is actually in the Senate. And these people he has to work with, they, these people have like control over him. And not, to, not to say that they are controlling him. But but the point is they can here's here's the way here here's the point they can punish him for speaking up they can try to make him hurt they can do things to him so he, he's actually taking a risk but Ted Cruz will get up on the floor of the Senate as he did after the uh, Planned Parenthood you know after after Mitch McConnell um, uh, uh, blocked Republicans from putting a defund Planned Parenthood amendment onto a bill and Mitch, Mitch McConnell blocked it. And then, and then he said, "Oh, we're not going to we're not going to attach it to this bill. We're going to we're going to make our own bill to def, to defund Planned Parenthood, which was sure to be voted down, and it was. And even if it wasn't voted down, which it definitely was going to be, and it was. But even if but even if by some crazy miracle it wasn't voted down, it would it just would have been vetoed by Obama. But in any case, so uh, Mitch McConnell's you know playing games like a lot of the Republican establishment. He's playing games. He's trying to manipulate us." Um, he's, he has no interest in defunding Planned Parenthood. A lot of these Republicans don't. They've had plenty of chances. I mean, they had you know the Republicans owned the White House the, uh, and the Congress for several years recently, and they didn't do anything about Planned Parenthood. So Ted Cruz gets up on the floor of the Senate and calls his own leadership liars. Now this is what I'm saying: someone who's a pundit, someone who outside of that circle, someone like me or you or, or uh, certainly Donald Trump. It's nothing for us to call the Republican leadership liars. I, I'll do it all the time. No big deal. What are they going to do to me? What are they going to do to Donald Trump? Nothing. But with Ted Cruz, he's actually taking a risk. He is in the Senate, on the floor, calling his own leadership liars. That is dramatic. I mean, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. And this guy's doing it. So you want someone who's anti-establishment then take someone who's actually had to go toe-to-toe with them, which Ted Cruz has done. And he's been great on this uh, Planned Parenthood issue. He's been great. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, a number of the other Republican candidates have been great on it as well. Uh, Bobby Jindal, uh, Perry, been great on the Planned Parenthood thing. So, but anyway, so what's the problem? Okay, so we finally get it, and not just him. I mean, in past elections, most conservatives would have killed to have a Scott Walker, a Rand Paul, even a, a Jindal... Um, ben Carson, whatever. They'd kill to have even one of these guys in the race. And they're all in it now. And what do we do? We go to Donald Trump. Donald freaking Trump. The man doesn't even pretend to be a conservative. 
He doesn't even pretend. And yet we go to him. We have maybe the best GOP field in decades and we go to him. We're about to squander it all on Donald Trump. Dear God. Dear Lord. I, and this is what frustrated me. Because if this was, you know, the 2008 election, I'd be less frustrated. You know, we end up with John McCain ugh, as the nominee. And, and frankly, you know, I, I, I hated John, John McCain as the nominee. I think he's a corrupt politician. I think, I, I think he's a liar. Um, you know, I, I think he has dishonored himself in his political career. He's a career politician. I mean, the guy, you know, he, he, the guy is a parasite as a politician. Save for Lindsey Graham and, and a lot of these guys. Uh, John Boehner, really. I, I just, I, I'm a Christian, so I try not to hate people, but I detest what they stand for. I detest it. So John McCain's the, you know, the guy in uh, 2008. And frankly, I'm not, you know, uh, I have no confidence that, that if, if he had been elected, it would have been necessarily better for the country. We, we were at a point where it was McCain versus Obama, and we were screwed either way. We were screwed either way. Because Obama's been a disaster. If McCain had gotten in there, he'd be a disaster as well. The guy's a liberal on most things. Not to mention he probably would have got us into a, into a... We'd be in World War III with Russia right now because the guy's a neocon warhawk lunatic. So my point is if this was 2008 and Donald Trump jumps in there, then I, you know, I wouldn't be excited about him. But I would say, uh, well, what does it matter? You know, I'd be like everyone else, like a lot of other people. I'd say, well, I might as well just sit back and enjoy it because we're going to hell in a handbasket anyway and there's nothing that can stop it, politically speaking. So who cares? Donald Trump jumps in there when it's uh, John McCain is the front runner. Fine. Fine. You know what? Might as well. But that's not the case this year. And that's what frustrates me so much. That that's not the case. There are 17 Republicans in the field, and a good number of them are worthless. And there's way too many of them. There's way too many. But there are several who would be very good, solid... Uh, candidates. They've been solid conservatives. They've been very principled. Uh, they are not established. We keep hearing, well, John, Donald Trump is not in the establishment. A lot of these guys aren't in this. The establishment hates, hates Ted Cruz. They hate Rand Paul. Hate Scott Walker. Hate these guys. These guys are all anti-establishment. Are you kidding me? They're not part of the establishment. Since when did Ted Cruz and Rand Paul become part of the establishment, for God's sake? And so they're all there. And what do we do? We go to Donald Trump. And I think the mistake stems from a, a, a problem. The problem, it's a problem that seems to be, you know, uh, uh, getting worse recently. Uh, we've seen it manifest itself uh, numerous times in the last few years. Uh, and it, goes, it always goes like this. You know, some person comes along and says, like, one thing that conservatives agree with. And next thing you know, he or she is being hailed as the right-wing messiah. And all who oppose the new savior must hand over their conservative membership cards. Be cast out. Cast out. Because they have not, because they have not bowed before the new, the new savior. And it doesn't matter if this savior is dishonest, frivolous, obnoxious, fraudulent, inarticulate, embarrassing, uh, shallow, hollow. It, it does, doesn't matter. Liberal, it doesn't matter. All they have to do is vaguely plagiarize something conservative pundits and politicians have already said a million times since Sunday, and their status as right-wing folk hero is cemented. And this is what has happened with Donald Trump. Um, and, and, and it really all started with 
the the one you know he he gave that speech when he when he announced his candidacy. And when if you remember, it seems so long ago, but it was only like a couple of months ago that he announced his candidacy. And leading up to that, he was just like a sideshow, and everyone was at you know very few people were t- were really talking about him as a serious candidate. Um, most of the people that support him now at the time were like supporting Ted Cruz or somebody uh, like that. And then Ted, and then, then he announces his candidacy. And he gives a long, rambling, uh, disjointed speech where he just touches on a bunch of different things and makes no sense. But in the midst of it, he says one thing about immigration. One thing about Mexicans. And he's attacked for it. And then everyone sort of coalesces around him. And boom, that's it. It was just because of that one thing he said. And it wasn't especially insightful. They called Mexicans rapists. That's the whole, do you understand that's the whole reason? That really is the whole... If he had not done that, and it wasn't like he did it on, yeah, I would almost give him credit if if if, if he if he's so if he's so manipulative and smart that he that he said it on purpose because he knew it would go. No, he just, he was just he was just throwing a bunch of things. At the, he was just saying a bunch of different things, and it was just this one thing that liberals latched onto, and then a lot of conservatives coalesced around him, and boom, there he is. If it wasn't for that, I really don't believe that he'd be the front runner right now. I don't even know if he'd still be in the race, to be honest. It was just that one thing. So it starts with the one thing, the one idea. Uh, for a lot of these conservatives, we become kind of these mascots. Um, sometimes it's one thing they say, or just one moment, you know, just something. And and but then it, it, it then the idea becomes irrelevant, and then it becomes a matter of personality. Like Obama voters in two thousand eight, Trump fans have become proponents uh, not of a set of ideas, but advocates for an individual. They supporters of a personality, not policy. And this is particularly true in their case because Trump's policies are, you know, either non-existent or completely anathema to anything that could possibly be considered conservatism. And I can't give him credit for being politically incorrect, considering that, you know, other than his observations about illegal immigration, which are observations that honestly many conservatives have made in much more thorough terms many times in the past. But he hasn't really lived up to the reputation of being politically incorrect. Other than, yeah, he's been vulgar and he's been... Uh, he, he's been uh, obnoxious, so so that's fine. But is that that's not the same thing as being politically incorrect? With with the thing with Megyn Kelly, Megyn Kelly asks him one tough question, and he spends three weeks going after her, calling her ugly and a bimbo and all these things. That's not politically incorrect. That's just that's just not correct. That's just you know, decent, civilized, uh, mature human beings say, well, you don't act like that. You're acting like a like a little boy. You don't act like that. You're a grown man. Act like a grown man. Be uh, be reasonable. Have some decency. That's not politically incorrect. Okay, it's not politically incorrect for this elderly billionaire to spend three weeks going after this uh, this woman who, who who asked him one question. It's not politically incorrect. It's just incorrect in general. And by the way, uh, just a quick note: you, you can't have it both ways. You can't have Donald Trump as the front runner and also the one getting all of the media attention. Just the media slobbering all over him, which is a big reason why he's still in the lead. So you can't have that and then also play the, you know, he's the underdog being attacked card because he's not the underdog. So Trump fans will still say, oh, the media is going after him. No, they're not. The media is electing him. The media is electing the guy. They are electing him for you. He's the only one they're talking about. That's it. And it's not even all negative. You know, I watch it, you know, if you turn on CNN or MSNBC sometimes, they're far more negative about some of these other guys than they are about Donald Trump. And I think there's a reason for that. For one thing, he's good for them just for ratings because he's this spectacle. 
But also, they would like, you know, they would like to have him in the general election. They'd rather have him as president than, than, uh, than someone like Ted Cruz because he, they know he's basically liberal. So anyway, so he hasn't really lived up to the reputation of being politically incorrect. Um, he, he avoids a lot of issues. I mean, where was this politically incorrect warrior for truth, supposedly, when it comes to Planned Parenthood? You know, it's the largest abortion mill, funded by tax dollars, caught trafficking in dead baby parts, and Trump is silent about it for a very long time. And then finally, he, he, he speaks up and he says that he would still fund them, just not the abortion parts of their business, because uh, he says they do good work. Well, guess what? We already fund them, except for the abortion parts, quote-unquote. So he's suggesting, all of the Republican candidates are saying we would defund Planned Parenthood. Donald Trump, which is what they should be saying. Okay, Planned Parenthood kills 300,000 babies a year, and now we know that they're breaking federal laws, selling baby parts. And so all the Republicans at least are saying, yeah, we'll defund them. Donald Trump is saying, I won't defund them. I'm going to keep money going to them. He's suggesting we keep the status quo. Because what he's saying, oh, we'll fund them except for the abortion parts, that's already what we're doing. Don't you get it? But guess what? Money is fungible. So if you give them half a billion dollars for one part of their operation, you've also funded the other part. Because that's how money works. If you need to buy two things, but you only have $10 and you need 20 if I give you the other 10 but specify only use my 10 for the one thing and not the other, I have directly helped you buy both, obviously. So either Donald Trump doesn't understand this basic point about finances, which would be concerning, or he's being dishonest, which is more likely and and also more concerning. This is why I don't understand in particular why he's getting so much support among Christian conservatives. I I mean, I think his support is primarily from really not even Republicans or conservatives at all, but just sort of, but, but, uh, but, uh, you know, people that are certainly not religious, uh, more moderate, but, uh, but anecdotally, I've noticed that he has plenty of fans in the religious right as well. And I just, I don't get it. Okay, he, he, said, uh, he said that we'll keep the status quo in Planned Parenthood. He's been pro-choice, even pro, uh, he was pro-partial birth abortion for almost his entire life. He says he's for traditional marriage, but who believes him? He's been married three times, for God's sakes. He says, and this is a quote, he says that, uh, that uh, he doesn't need to involve God in forgiveness. He doesn't ask God for forgiveness. Yesterday he was asked to name his favorite Bible verse. He couldn't even name one. He can't name a Bible verse. The guy's probably never even <laughs> opened a Bible in his life. He displays really no character or integrity, none of the values that the religious right says it wants. Um, and there are many problems beyond his comments about win- women and so on, but really it's embarrassing to see so many Christians defending that sort of thing. So he checks none of the boxes that Christian conservatives expect every other politician to check. And I've, and I've respected this. I mean, I would, I would consider myself Christian conservative, Christian conservative obviously. And um, Christian conservatives have, we've been very unrelenting, right? We've said, uh, not going to compromise on these issues. And if a politician doesn't check all the boxes, we say, well, good riddance. But then Donald Trump comes along and checks none of them. And still, he gets a lot of support from conservative Christians. It just makes no sense. He wrote a book back in 2000 where he talks about the need for assault weapons bans, illegal abortion, socialized medicine, higher taxes. He openly endorsed socialized medicine in the debate a few weeks ago. This is, I mean, can you even, could you have imagined this even just a couple of years ago when Obamacare was the big issue that everyone was talking about? Could you imagine 
And everyone said, well, 2016, we need to get somebody in there who's going to repeal Obamacare. Could you imagine that we obsessed over Obamacare for so long, and then ultimately the guy who might get the Republican nomination is a guy who gets up on debate and you know, gets up in front of 20 million people during the debate and says that, says that socialized medicine is a good system and it's worked for so many other countries. I mean, what? This is a man who spent the better part of the previous two decades using his money to keep Democrats in power. He's given a considerable amount to Republicans as well, but that doesn't negate the fact that he gave hundreds and hundreds of thousands to uh, you know Harry Reid, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, Rahm Emanuel, Chuck Schumer, Charles Rangel. In fact, you know you look at Trump's financial activity, and it shows that uh, he was especially active as a Democrat booster during the 2006 midterms, which is the election that put Reid and Pelosi in power. And these are also, by the way, open borders people. So he, has, he hasn't done anything to help the border. He's actually made it worse by putting these people in power. So, all right, he's a draft-dodging, twice-divorced reality star who supports gun control, abortion, and corporate welfare, who donates to Democrats, gives money hands over fist to the, the Clinton Foundation, is friends with Hillary Clinton, has worked tirelessly for many years to keep the worst sorts of liberals in office. Um, and, and all of that is going on. And, and what do we say in response? Well, you know, okay, but at least he's still rich. And sure, he's rich. He has a lot of money. Good for him. George Soros is rich. President Obama is rich. Hillary Clinton is rich. Hugh Hefner is rich. A lot of people are rich. It doesn't mean anything. We've had a lot of rich presidents. He, will not, he might be the first billionaire president, but he's not going to be the first rich president that we've had. But I've been told, okay, Trump will be immune from special interests because he's rich. Doesn't care about making money. But this is a preposterous claim. I mean, it's so laughably naive. Trump has demonstrated time and again that he will do anything to make another buck. Not only, can, not only will he still be susceptible to bribery, but he'll be more susceptible than a lot of people because he will do anything. Why do you think this billionaire was, was, a, was, a, was a clown on reality TV for 10 years? Because he wants more money. You know, you get to a certain point for a lot of rich people, it's, they're never like, well, I have enough. Is Donald Trump really the guy who says, I have enough money, I don't need any more? No. And he's been very clear about his corruption. He admits that he bribes politicians. So are we really saying the guy that admits to bribing politicians is the guy who could never be bribed himself? Makes no sense. Besides which, I think there's another, you know, there's a, we have to understand something. That for presidents, yeah, uh, corrupt politicians, they like money. And Donald Trump likes money. So he can be bribed in that, in that way. But beyond that, beyond that, I think the primary way that politicians, particularly presidents, are bribed is not really through money, but through power. They know if they make this deal under the table, if they tell this lie, you know, if they, if they do a deal with this devil, if they hop into bed with this guy over here, they know that if they do that, they can stay in power. So, the, so we have to understand this. That I don't think the typical president... You know, Obama, the typical corrupt president, is not thinking to himself, well, well, how can I make a fast buck off of this? Because they're fine. You know, even if they're not billionaires. They're already millionaires before they get in. Uh, you know, they'll be taken care of for the rest of their life as ex-presidents. You know, they'll be fine. And if, they have, if they're ever hard up for cash, they can just go do a, you know, do a speech at a university for $500,000 and they'll be fine. So I, I don't think a lot of them aren't like, well, I need to make, you know, to make some more money under the table for when I get out of office. They're going to be fine. What they want is power and prestige. That's what this comes down to. And Donald Trump, 
is obviously a man who will do anything for power, and he's made that clear. This is not me accusing him. He has made that clear, that he will do deals, he will be dishonest, he will defy his principles if they exist, for power. He's been very clear about that. So yes, he can be bribed. Yes, he is susceptible to special interests. Of course he is. He's told us so. If you listen to him, he's told you. So what's left then? What's left? We know he's not really anti-establishment. He's not really conservative. He can be bribed. What's left? All that's left is his personality. That's it. And you know what? Maybe this is just the cycle that we're doomed to repeat. Because I'm saying now we cannot elect somebody president because of their freaking personality. This is not Match.com. Okay, this is not this is not uh, this is not a, you know, a speed dating. Their personality doesn't matter. Did 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 uh, George Washington have an electric personality? Honestly, I don't know. But I would be I wouldn't be surprised if you said no, he didn't. It doesn't matter. So I can say this over and over again, but I'm just the nine billionth person to say it throughout history trying to talk sense into other people, saying, we cannot elect a guy just because you like his personality. There's got to be more to it. So I can say that over and over again, and I know it probably won't make a difference. And that's it. That's all I have. That's my, you know, other than everything I've just listed, I think Donald Trump is actually, you know, he'd be a great president. So, all right, that's going to do it for me. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Kuche Salus, Godspeed. Godspeed.